Welcome to the GDPR Weekly Show, one of the top five GDPR podcasts worldwide. Here is what's coming up in this week's episode. Welcome to episode 190 of the GDPR Weekly Show, the number one GDPR podcast worldwide. And coming up in this week's episode, we have news of a data breach at MailChimp. We then turn specifically to the UK and we have news of a data breach at High Street Chain The Works. And we then travel to the Isle of Wight where the virtual charging points have been hacked and for a short period of time we're actually showing porn rather than details of how to charge your vehicle. We have news of a Conti ransomware attack on Snap-on Tools. And we then travel to Ireland where the DPC has fined the Bank of Ireland for a number of GDPR breaches. And we then travel to Spain, where Taser Bank has been fined 2.1 million euros for having pre-ticked consent boxes. We then travel to Denmark, where Dunkster Bank has been fined for keeping customer data longer than required. And then to the USA, where the University of California has extended its free experience credit checking for a further two years for breach victims after a data breach. We then travel to Cleveland in Ohio, where Parker Hannifin has had a data breach. And we then have news that Block Cash App Investing has had a data breach. We then have an update from Microsoft on what it's been doing to counter cyber warfare in Ukraine. We then have news of a data breach at Horizon Actuarial in the USA. And then finally this week, we look at whether it's possible to use trade association codes of conduct for data transfers abroad rather than either the EU or the UK standard contractual clauses and what the pros and cons are of each approach. So as always, a good range of articles for you in this week's episode of GDPR Weekly Show. We hope you find the information in the articles useful and informative. As always, we really welcome your feedback. Please just email us at feedback at gdprweeklyshow.com. We do read every single piece of feedback we receive, although unfortunately due to the volume of feedback we receive, it's not always possible for us to respond to each piece of feedback individually. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. Email marketing giant MailChimp has suffered a data breach as a result of a sophisticated cyber attack which saw data stolen from more than 100 customers. In a statement on Monday 4th of April, MailChimp confirmed the incident revealing that hackers had used internal tools to steal user data and launch secondary attacks against customers in the cryptocurrency and finance space. MailChimp's response to the cyber attack is still ongoing. Last week, users of the Trezor crypto wallet began reporting that they'd been targeted by phishing emails. And on Sunday, the firm issued a statement on social media confirming that the phishing attempts were a result of an apparent breach at MailChimp. In the blog post, the crypto firm said, The MailChimp security team disclosed that a malicious actor accessed an internal tool used by customer-facing teams. The bad actor gained access to this tool as a result of a successful social engineering attack on MailChimp employees. Trezor described the phishing attacks as exceptional and clearly planned to a high level of detail. The phishing emails directed users to a highly sophisticated cloned version of the Trezor Suite app, according to the firm's security team. MailChimp's Chief Information Security Officer, Siobhan Smith, said the firm first became aware of the incident on 26th of March when security personnel detected unauthorised access to a tool used by customer support and administration teams. The company reacted swiftly, deactivating compromised accounts upon learning of the breach. However, despite MailChimp's rapid response, hackers were able to view around 300 user accounts and steal audience data belonging to 102 clients. 
We sincerely apologise to our users for this incident and realise that it brings inconvenience and raises questions for our users and their customers, Smith said. We take pride in our security culture, infrastructure and the trust our customers place in us to safeguard their data. We're confident in the security measures and robust processes we have in place to protect our users' data and prevent future incidents. Metaverse platform Decentraland revealed that its newsletter was also among those exposed, so it's likely that other organisations will begin revealing how the fallout has affected them in the coming days. In a statement, MailChimp said that the owners of the compromised accounts had all been informed and the organisation is working closely with affected parties. If we receive any further update on this from MailChimp, we will, of course, bring it to you in the next available episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. Contact us on helpdesk at gdprweeklyshow.com. Another company affected by employees falling victim to phishing attacks this week has been High Street Retail Store The Works. UK High Street Retail Store The Works has confirmed that a cyber attack on its systems, forcing some stores to close with sources close to the matter saying systems are hit with ransomware. The ransomware attack was facilitated by an employee falling victim to a phishing email, according to sources familiar with the situation. The Works is working to fully understand the extent of the attack, but can confirm that no customer payment data has been compromised. The Works has called in unnamed outside cybersecurity experts to conduct digital forensics on the incident, and the ICO has been informed in case other data belonging to customers has been stolen. The specific ransomware group behind the attack, the ransomware used, and or the exact ransom demand has not yet been confirmed, but the work said it's not going to currently speculate about the potential for paying any ransom. The retailer said customers are still safe to shop in store and online since its credit and debit payments are processed by an outside third party, and so there's no risk that this payment data has been accessed improperly. The works has disabled all internal and external access to its systems and staff emails until the investigation into the situation is complete. It also said to protect customers and the business, the company has made some immediate protective changes to further strengthen its security position but did not elaborate on what these changes entail. The company said there has been some limited disruption to trading and business operations, including the closure of some stores due to till issues. Replenishment deliveries to the group stores were suspended temporarily, and the normal delivery window for the fulfilment of online orders has been extended. But store deliveries are expected to resume imminently, and normal online service levels are progressively being reintroduced. In a statement, the company said the company does not currently anticipate that this incident will have a material adverse impact on its forecast or its financial position. The Works operates more than 520 stores nationwide and is a popular store for gifts, crafts, toys, books and stationery. Do you ever wish there was a simple way to get to grips with GDPR? Well, now there is. Our best-selling book, GDPR Made Simple, is available on Amazon for just £7.99. It's a short, concise guide to all you need to know about UK GDPR. It's thoroughly recommended for everyone, whatever your level of experience with GDPR. So that's GDPR Made Simple on Amazon right now. To the Isle of Wight now, and an embarrassing situation for Isle of Wight Council, which has found that three of its electrical vehicle charging points in Key Road Ride, Cross Street Cows and Mower Place in Freshwater have had their screens hacked so that instead of showing details of electric car charging, they're showing porn movies. In a statement, the council apologised to anyone that may have found the inappropriate web content. The authority said staff were due to visit the charge points to ensure the third-party web address is covered up. It's understood the charges were meant to display the network's own website, but the web address had been redirected and was instead taking visitors to a pornographic site. The Isle of Wight Council said we are saddened to learn that a third-party web address displayed on our electrical vehicle EV signage appears to have been hacked. 
added the charge points were originally part of the charge point genie network but recently been transferred to the genie point network. The authority said it was also aware that some charge points in council tower parks were unreliable. It said these were due to be replaced with new charge points over the next few months. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. American automotive tools manufacturer Snap-on announced the data breach exposing associate and franchisee data after the Tonti ransomware game began leaking the company's data in March 2022. Snap-on is a leading manufacturer and designer of tools, software and diagnostic services used by the transportation industry through various brands including Mitchell One, Norbar, Bluepoint, Blackhawk and Williams. Yesterday, Snap-on disclosed a data breach after they detected suspicious activity in their network, which led to them shutting down all their systems. In early March, Snap-on detected unusual activity in some areas of its information technology environment. We quickly took down our network connections as part of our defence protocols, particularly appropriate given heightened warnings from various agencies, Snap-on said. We launched a comprehensive analysis assisted by a leading external forensics firm, identified the event as a security incident and notified law enforcement of the incursion. After conducting investigations, Snap-on discovered the threat actors stole personal data belonging to employees between March the 1st and March the 3rd, 2022. We believe the incident involved associate and franchisee data, including information such as names, social security numbers, dates of birth and employee identification numbers, a Snap-on data breach notification submitted to the California Attorney General's office said. Snap-on is offering a free one-year subscription to the IDX Identity Theft Protection Service for those affected. For their part, Conti claim that they now have almost a gigabyte of documents that were allegedly stolen during the attack. If you're a regular listener to the GDPR Weekly Show, you will have heard us mention Conti a number of times. Conti is a ransomware operation operated by a Russian hacking group known for other malware infections such as RyUK, TrickBot and Bazaar Loader. Conti commonly breaches a network after corporate defences become infected with the Bazaar Loader or TrickBot malware infections, which provide remote access for the hacking group. Once they gain access to the internal systems, they spread through the network, steal data and deploy their ransomware. The Conti game recently suffered their own data breach after siding with Russia over the invasion of Ukraine, leading to a Ukrainian researcher publishing almost 170,000 internal chat conversations between the Conti ransomware game members and the Conti ransomware source code. If we receive any further update on this data breach from Snap-on Tools, we will transmit to you in the next available episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. Contact us on helpdesk at gdprweeklyshow.com. To Ireland now, and the Data Protection Commissioner, the DPC, has handed Bank of Ireland a fine of €463,000 and reprimanded it for a number of breaches of GDPR. Bank of Ireland had notified the watchdog of 22 incidents linked to information provided to the Central Credit Register, a centralised system that collects and securely stores information about loans. The incidents, which took place in 2018 and 2019, included unauthorised disclosure of customers' personal data to the CCR, and that's then to alterations of customers' personal data. A DPC investigation found 19 of the incidents amounted to a personal data breach under GDPR. In 17 cases, the bank failed to report the breaches without undue delay or without sufficient detail. In 14 incidents, the watchdog found that Bank of Ireland had failed to contact individuals quickly enough in circumstances where the breaches were likely to result in a high risk to the data subjects' rights and freedoms. The DPC also found that the bank had failed to implement appropriate measures to ensure a level of security appropriate to the risk presented by its processing of customer data in transferring information to the CCR. The DPC has ordered Bank of Ireland to make a number of changes to its technical and organisational measures. 
Bank of Ireland said it fully acknowledged and sincerely apologised for the breaches. The bank takes its regulatory and compliance obligations very seriously and regrets that it has fallen short in this way, the bank said in a statement. To Spain now and the Spanish supervisory authority, the APD, has fined Taser Bank 2.1 million euros for violations of Article 6 and 7, Paragraph 4, GDPR, following complaints that the bank had asked customers to consent to terms for the processing of their personal data through pre-tick boxes. If they did not consent to these terms, the bank would charge the customer a €5 euro per month fee for their bank account's maintenance. The bank argued that this fee was not a charge, but rather a necessary fee, which they sometimes provided exemptions to, to allow it to provide its services to customers and was therefore an essential element of the contract. The bank further argued that Article 7, Paragraph 4 GDPR was not applicable since the terms of the contract did not mandate a condition and consent for the processing of personal data was not a must-have for contracting with the bank. In the AEPD's view, however, linking an exemption from fees to the provision of consent for the processing of personal data resulted in consent not being given freely on the basis that not giving consent resulted in the payment of maintenance fees and was therefore detrimental to the data subject. The AEPD rejected the bank's argument that these charges were to be considered an inherent element of the contract. The APD highlighted that they were odds with the national law regarding payments for bank services, which requires that fees for basic bank accounts need to be freely agreed upon between the customer and the bank. The APD therefore found that the two legal bases for the lawful posting and personal data on which the bank had relied, i.e. consent and performance of a contract, were not made out and issued a €2 million Euro fine against the bank for infringing Article 6 of GDPR by imposing conditions based on obtaining consent for the posting and personal data, which were not necessary for the performance of a contract in breach of Article 7, Paragraph 4, GDPR. In addition, the bank was fined an additional €100,000 for requesting this consent through pre-tick boxes in breach of Article 6, Paragraph 1 of GDPR. Do you ever wish there was a simple way to get to grips with GDPR? Well, now there is. Our best-selling book, GDPR Made Simple, is available on Amazon for just £7.99. It's a short, concise guide to all you need to know about UK GDPR, it's thoroughly totally recommended for everyone, whatever your level of experience with GDPR. So that's GDPR Made Simple on Amazon right now. To Denmark now, and the Danish Data Protection Agency, Data Tiersnet, has reported Dunster Bank to the police and fined it 10 million Danish kroner for violations of GDPR. The regulator recommended the Danish prostitution service impose its own separate fine over the bank's failure to erase customers' personal data from its systems. The Data Protection Authority said on Tuesday that Danster Bank had not been able to present proper procedures for deleting and storing personal data in more than 400 systems that hold millions of people's data. One of the basic principles of GDPR is that you can only process the information you need, and when you no longer need it, it must be deleted, said Kenny M. Olson, Specialist Consultant at the Data Cernet, in a translated statement. When it comes to an organisation the size of Danster Bank, which has many and complex systems, it is particularly crucial that you can also document that deletion has actually taken place. The regulator began its investigation in November 2020 after Donster Bank self-reported concerns it was storing personal data longer than necessary and that its systems were not fully GDPR compliant. In December 2020, the bank told the regulator that despite making preparations in early 2016 for GDPR to come into force in May 2018, the required compliance work would not be completed until the end of 2021, some 42 months after legislation took effect, mainly because of the volume of the task. Dunstan Bank added, 
Due to the large number of IT systems and the high complexity and interconnectedness between the systems, it was not possible to build retention and deletion functionality in all systems at the same time. The bank chose a phase-based approach to handle the work on retention and deletion in manageable portions. Even though the bank knew it could not meet the May 2018 deadline for GDPR compliance regarding data retention and deletion, it chose not to notify the regulator until more than two years later, possibly because it felt there was no risk to customer data since no breach had taken place. Donaldson Bank's Data Protection and Compliance team identified the latter with route-wide information and records management framework, as well as limited data to the government in 2018, and raised concerns internally, highlighting the associated risks of being non-compliant with GDPR. These concerns were raised again in October 2019. First and foremost, it is important for me to emphasise that our customers' data is secure and has been secure all along, Donaldson Bank's Executive Vice President and Chief Technology Officer said. As we previously communicated, identified instances of personal data have, unfortunately, been stored for a longer period than necessary, and that should obviously not have taken place. He added, We have also had to recognise that the task is very complex and that the implementation of time limits for deleting data in certain systems has proved time-consuming. We now take note of the DPA's recommendation and continue the task of deleting the data that we no longer have any reason to store while we await the outcome of the matter. Johnston Bank also told the regulator that it retained some personal data due to legal obligations related to ongoing investigations and litigation concerning the bank's failure to prevent widespread money laundering at its now-closed branch in Estonia. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. To America now and the University of California recently extended the Identity Protection Service subscription for an additional two years for victims of last year's data breach as part of a broader effort to improve its cybersecurity measures. In December 2020, the University's Acelion file transfer appliance experienced a cyber attack. The appliance transferred sensitive information such as full names, addresses, telephone numbers, social security numbers, financial information and other identifying data. Perpetrators targeted the appliance's security vulnerabilities, affecting more than 100 organisations, including the University of California and its faculty, staff and applicants, other universities, government agencies and private companies across the county. The University of California determined on March 29, 2021, that some of the data had been posted online. The university then offered a free one-year subscription to Experian Identity Protection Service. From May to June 2021, the university contacted potentially impacted community members as its investigation continued. According to a report presented at the University of California Board of Regents meeting in March, University of California campuses are still implementing policy changes. Campuses are also finding opportunities to formalise and improve their security management programmes to ensure that key leadership understand their roles in overseeing cybersecurity. Contact us on helpdesk at gdprweeklyshow.com. Remaining in America, and Parker Hannifin, a company that creates various technologies for the aerospace and manufacturing sectors, has declared a data breach. Parker Hannifin operates in 50 countries, bringing products to customers in 113 countries across the world. The company's headquarters are in Cleveland, Ohio. Parker Hannifin employs approximately 55,000 people worldwide and generates roughly $15 billion in annual revenue. The company is traded on the New York Stock Exchange under the ticker symbol PH. In a filing to the SEC, Parker Hannifin Corporation said, On March 14, 2022, Parker Hannifin Corporation, the company, or Parker, detected that a third party gained unauthorised access to the company's systems. 
The company immediately activated incident response protocols, which included shutting down certain systems and commenced an investigation of the incident, which is still ongoing. The company also notified and is working with relevant law enforcement authorities and engaged legal counsel and other third-party incident response and cybersecurity professionals. While the company's investigation is ongoing, the company believes some data was accessed and taken, and this may include personal information of company team members. Based on its preliminary assessment and on the information currently known, the incident has not had a significant financial or operational impact, and the company does not believe the incident will have material impact on its business operations or financial results. The company's business systems are fully operational, and the company maintains insurance subject to certain deductibles and policy limitations typical for its size and industry. Remaining in the USA, and over 8 million users of the mobile payment app Cash App could be affected by a data breach after a former employee of the company downloaded reports containing the personal information of US users. On Monday this week, Block, the financial service company that owns Cash App and was created by Twitter founder Jack Dorsey, announced that it learned the former employee downloaded information in December 2021. Although the ex-employee had access to the information during employment, the reports as information was downloaded after the employee was no longer with the company. The data downloaded didn't include usernames, passwords, social security numbers or paint account information, but it did include full names and brokerage account numbers which used to identify a user's stock activity on Cash App Investing. Some information also breached included brokerage portfolio value, brokerage portfolio holdings and or stock trading activity for one trading day. The filing says the only potentially affected users include those in the US who use Cash App Investing, which is around 8.2 million users. Block said it is contacting all current and former customers of the feature to provide them with information about this incident and sharing resources with them to answer their questions. Block added that it's also noted law enforcement of the breach. In a statement, Block said, The company takes the security information belonging to its customers very seriously and continues to review and strengthen administrative and technical safeguards to protect the information of its customers. Although the company has not yet completed its investigation of the incident, Based on its preliminary assessment and on the information currently known, the company does not currently believe the incident will have a material effect on its business operations or financial results. If we receive any update on this from Block, we will of course bring it to you in the next rare episode of the GGPR Weekly Show. Do you ever wish there was a simple way to get to grips with GDPR? Well, now there is. Our best-selling book, GDPR Made Simple, is available on Amazon for just £7.99. It's a short, concise guide to all you need to know about UK GDPR. It's thoroughly recommended for everyone, whatever your level of experience with GDPR. So that's GDPR Made Simple on Amazon right now. Microsoft has recently announced details of actions they've been taking to prevent hacking of Ukrainian entities. In a statement, Microsoft said, We recently observed attacks targeting Ukrainian entities from Strontium, a Russian GRU-connected actor we have tracked for years. This week, we were able to disrupt some of Strontium's attacks on targets in Ukraine. On Wednesday, April the 6th, we obtained a court order authorising us to take control of seven internet domains Strontium was using to conduct these attacks. We have since redirected these domains to a sinkhole controlled by Microsoft, enabling us to mitigate Strontium's current use of these domains and enable victim notifications. Strontium was using this infrastructure to target Ukrainian institutions, including media organisations. It was also targeting government institutions and think tanks in the United States and the EU involved in foreign policy. 
We believe Strontium was attempting to establish long-term access to the systems of its targets, provide tactical support for the physical invasion and exfiltrate sensitive information. We have notified Ukraine's government about the activity we detected and the action we've taken. The disruption is part of an ongoing long-term investment started in 2016 to take legal and technical action to seize infrastructure being used by Strontium. We have established a legal process that enables us to obtain rapid court decisions for this work. Prior to this week, we had taken action through this process 15 times to seize control of more than 100 strontium-controlled domains. The strontium attacks are just a small part of the activity we've seen in Ukraine. Before the Russian invasion, our teams began working round the clock to help organisations in Ukraine, including government agencies, defend against an onslaught of cyber warfare that has escalated since the invasion began and has continued relentlessly. Since then, we have observed nearly all of Russia's nation-state actors engaged in the ongoing full-scale offensive against Ukraine's government and critical infrastructure, and we continue to work closely with government and organisations of all kinds in Ukraine to help them defend against this onslaught. In the coming weeks, we expect to provide a more comprehensive look at the scope of the cyber war in Ukraine. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. Remain in the USA, and on March 25th, 2022, Horizon Actuarial Services reported a privacy incident involving theft of personal information and extortion that it says may affect the privacy of participants in various benefit plans. The benefit plans that may be affected are the Local 295 IBT Employer Group Welfare Fund, the Major League Baseball Players Benefit Plan, the National Hockey League Players Health and Benefits Fund, the OCU Health and Welfare Trust, the OCU Pension Trust, the Rocky Mountain UFCW House Benefit Plan for Retired Employees, the Rocky Mountain UFCW Retail and Meat Pension Plan, Teamsters Local 295 Employers Group Welfare Trust, Twin Cities Bakery Drivers Pension Fund, the UA Local 198 Pension Fund, the UFCW and Employers Benefit Trust, the UFCW Comprehensive Benefit Trust, the UFCW Intermountain Health Fund, and the UFCW Local 711 and Retail Food Employers Benefit Fund. The company reported that its computer service will be accessed without authorization on November the 10th and 11th, 2021. The following day, Horizon received an email from a group claiming to have stolen copies of personal data from its computer servers. According to a statement, Horizon Actuarial then launched an investigation, notified the FBI, and negotiated with and paid the group in exchange for an agreement that they would delete and not distribute or otherwise misuse the stolen information. However, the FBI does not suggest companies should pay hackers that hold data for ransom, reminding the public that paying the ransom does not guarantee that a cyber threat actor will actually keep its promises. The personal information that may have been stolen from Horizon Actuarial includes names, social security numbers, addresses, dates of birth and health plan information. While the company informed affected benefit plan holders starting in January, it does not appear it started notifying affected individuals until March 2022. If you're a regular listener to GDPR Weekly Show, you'll know that we've spoken about the EU standard contractual clauses and the UK standard contractual clauses. But another option which some companies and organisations tend to rely on is to have a code of conduct from a trade body which they belong to and the data processor also belongs to and they use that code of conduct as their transfer tool. Well, this week, the EDPB has issued some guidance on when those sort of arrangements may be suitable or may not. 
And essentially what they're saying is that to be considered adequate for being a substitute for the standard contractual clauses, then the association's code of conduct would need to cover the following items. A description of the transfer to be covered by the code, for example, the nature of the data transferred, the categories of the data subjects and the countries concerned. A description of the data protection principles to be complied with under the code, for example, transparency, fairness, lawfulness, purpose limitation, damage minimization and storage of data, including rules on the use of processes and subprocessors and rules on any onward transfers. It would also need to cover the accountability principle measures to be taken under the code and the establishment of an appropriate governance structure through data protection officers or other privacy staff in charge of compliance with data protection obligations resulting from the code. There would also need to be the existence of a suitable training programme on the obligations arising from the code. There would need to be audit provisions or other internal programmes for monitoring compliance with the code. There would need to be transparency measures including easy access regarding the use of the code in particular with respect to third-party beneficiary rights. The code would have to cover the provision of data subject rights. The code would also need to cover the creation of third-party beneficiary rights for data subjects to enforce the rules of the code as third-party beneficiaries, as well as the possibility to lodge a complaint before the competent supervisory authority and before courts within the UK or the EU. The code would also need to have a complaint handling process. And the code would also need to have a warranty that at the time of adhering to the code, the third country controller or processor has no reason to believe that the laws applicable in the third country to the processing prevent it from fulfilling its obligations under the code and to implement supplementary measures if required. The association must also have a mechanism for dealing with changes to the code and the code must make clear the consequences of a member withdrawing from the code. There will also have to be an underlying commitment within the code that the association would continue to cooperate with UK and EU supervisory authorities and the commitment from the code member to accept to be subject to the jurisdiction of the EEA supervisory authorities in any procedure aimed at ensuring compliance with the code and EEA courts. Or, of course, where relevant, the UK supervisory authority, the ICO, and the UK courts. And finally, the criteria of selection of the monitoring body for a code intended for transfers, i.e. to demonstrate that the monitoring body has the requisite level of experience and expertise to carry out its role in an effective manner for such a code intended for data transfers. So as you can see, there are actually an awful lot of conditions there that an association has to meet for its rules to be used instead of the standard contractual clauses. Our personal view on this is that given those overriding issues which have to be satisfied, we actually see little benefit in using associations' codes of conduct rather than just using the standard contractual clauses. But, of course, each case has to be taken on its merits and we will always advise our clients individually on which is the best solution for them. Contact us on helpdesk at gdprweeklyshow.com. The GDPR Weekly Show is an insurance production. Until next time, bye-bye.